Hey guys, my name's Jose Naharo, and on today's episode, we are going to take a look at MU Stock Micron Technologies. They reported Q3 2019, so let's take a look at what they had to say. Like always, I took the liberty to read the 10Q report. I've also looked at all the information that this company has provided for their earnings, either being earning slides, earning transcripts, and just any other earning presentations they provided. So I pulled out all the top information that I pulled, I got from there, and I'm going to share it with you guys so like that you guys can see what's going on with this company. So right, let's begin with knowing what Micron Technology does. So Micron Technology is a tech company that sells memories to all types of sectors, computer, mobile, so on and so forth, storage, and other services. So right now, let's take a look at their Q3 revenue. Q3 revenue was at $4.8 billion. That's definitely a big amount of money that this company has collected in revenue. But here's the downside. Revenue is down 39% year to year and down 18% quarter to quarter. So if we take a look real quick at this company's chart, we can see why this company is pretty low compared to its peak. So its peak is around 65 right now right now at this video is sitting at $39 so almost 50% loss from its all-time highs and we can see it is it's definitely due to that huge down in revenue I mean for a company to be down 39% year-to-year um, that's definitely not not a joking matter and we can see investors are taking their money elsewhere but maybe we can see if our money should still be here so if we continue right performance line by product line micron has two products they have dram and 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 nand um, memory so dram is 64 percent of the overall company's revenue for quarter three of 2019 revenue dropped 19 percent quarter to quarter and is down 45 percent year to year so we can see this this, this product is down almost 50 percent a year to year and we can also see asps which is um average sale price a Approach down 20% quarter to quarter. So even every quarter, this product is dropping down in price. Shipment qualities are relatively flat quarter to quarter. So even though they still ship the same amount quarter to quarter of DRAM, revenue was still down 19%. But that makes sense because their average sale price was down 20% for the quarter. So that the math adds up right there. So the NAND is 31% of the overall company revenue for quarter 319. Um, revenue is down 18% quarter to quarter and is down 25% year to year. Again, the average sales price is down mid teens percent range quarter to quarter. And bid shipments down mid single digits percentage range for quarter to quarter. So both these products, both their top products, which make up 100% of their revenue, are down quarter to quarter by high mid-teens, DRAM is down 19%, and NAND is down 18%. When we're taking a look at year-to-year, -year, they are down pretty big as well, where DRAM is leading at a 45% year-to-year decline, and NAND is at a 25% year-to-year decline. We can see that annual um, average sales prices have also decreased, which means their net income and gross profit margins are going to be lower. So here now, I picked out the revenue by business so you guys can see how this company is developed or how it's spread out. First, we can see compute and networking 
um, makes up the biggest amount of revenue and is sitting at 2.08 billion of that four point how much was it 4.8 billion revenue so right now two that's almost about half of the revenue comes from compute and networking um, this is down 13 percent quarter to quarter and 48 percent down year to year next we have mobile mobile makes up 1.17 billion of that 4.8 and it's down 27 percent quarter to quarter and 33 percent year to year storage is 813 out of that 4.8 and it's down 20 percent quarter to quarter and 29 percent year to year finally we have the embedded business and that's down 12 percent quarter to quarter and it's 22 percent down year to year and that's sitting at 700 million dollars compared to that 4.8 billion dollars of revenue all right guys so some quick revenue talks these are things they either mentioned on their on their earnings call or on their presentation and first they want to talk about huawei so for you for you that don't know for some time huawei was on the red list if i may say here in the united states where united states companies were unable to purchase and sell to this company um in the past few days there has been some resolve and I believe Huawei is now able to buy back from U.S. is buy is able to buy items from U.S.-based companies, but for a certain part of a certain time in in this past quarter, Huawei was unable to buy items from MU, and this caused a few um, DRAM to not sell out. So DRAM would have increased sequentially as they have guided on their last quarter earnings call. So this is something to keep in mind right world problems tend to happen so as investors these are the risks that we also we also take when buying into companies right we can actually see right here where huawei was unable to buy back a customer from mu was unable to buy from from mu we can see uh right now things revenues would have been higher like i mentioned these past quarter if it wasn't for this so it definitely was big news that now Huawei is able to buy back from MU. And we can see once that news came out, we saw a big jump in MU. I think MU increased about 8% at its point at its highest on Monday once they announced um, this sort of agreement. Gross margin for physical third quarter was 39% compared to 61% in the prior year and 50% in the physical quarter. So we can also see why this revenue has decreased a lot. Not only has there been less items sold, the amount of items sold have not um, are not providing the same amount of margins as they used to be. So that means one thing, and that's the items are selling at a lower price. And we did mention that in in earlier in an earlier slide, I believe, where we said that the a average sales price are down mid teens. Um, and for DRAM, they're down 20%. So we can see, obviously, that affects our gross margin. Um, lower pricing in both DRAM and NAND was the primary driver for the lower margins in this physical quarter. Next, let's talk about the capital allocation. This is one thing I believe this company does really well, and this is something I really like about this company. So in the past quarter, 8%, eight, 8% reduction in outstanding shares since quarter three of 2018. That's a huge number. That's not a joking matter. 8% of outstanding shares have decreased because of either buybacks or other forms of purchases of debt or notes. Um, so 8%. So we can see that's obviously good news for shareholder equity. 
So as we will see in tomorrow's episode, that the shareholder equity most likely has increased because they are less outstanding shares. 70% of 3.8 billions in free cash flow used for repurchase year to date, a total of 670 of 67 million shares. Uh, another good thing is 2043 Comfort redeemed in quarter three of this year and they eliminate 9 million shares from fully dilute account. The company ends with 3.0 billion of net cash at the end of quarter three and they have about $10 billion in liquidity at the end of this quarter. So we can see this company has money. This company has a lot of net cash at the moment. $3.3 billion is not a laughing matter either. This company can definitely withhold itself and can stand a bad weather that it's having right now. With $10 billion in liquidity at the end is also pretty good. So here they do mention liquidity is um, they consider it cash, short-term and long-term marketable investments, restricted cash, and on-drawn revolver, um, revolver capacity. So that's just some credit that they have. Uh, next, let's take a look at their debt. Obviously, first we took a look at how they're what they're doing with their capital allocation. But now let's see what this company has in debt. So this company for at ending of this quarter, their biggest current tone, um, they currently have 1.3 billion dollars of current debt uh, that's debt that needs to be paid off in the next 12 months and we can see a huge portion of that is the imft member debt and for those is i am they have a sub note right here imft member debt was classified as current debt as of may 30th 2019 as a result of exercising our options to acquire Intel's interest in IMFT, but we can see that's definitely a huge amount of the current debt. The next is capital lease obligations and creditor payments sitting at $187 million of current debt. But then we can see this company has no long-term debt until 2022, sitting at $716 million, so $0.7 million. This company has $3.5 billion of long-term debt. And we can see, right, this company in, in theory has $10 billion in liquidity, which they say we'll take a look at the actual numbers tomorrow. But this company is able to pay off all this debt in no time. So this company has debt for 2022, followed by 2024, 2025, 2026, 2029. Um, so, right, they, have they definitely have a huge amount of time to pay all this debt. And this company has plenty of money to do so. They have available revolving credit facility, and they do mention on November 27th, they increased the amount available to draw under their existing plan, um, which expires July 2023, from $2.0 billion to $2.5 billion. Imagine having a credit card that you're able to withdraw $2.5 billion worth. As of May of 30th, 2019, there were no outstanding amounts drawn under this facility. So this company still has $2.5 billion of credit ready to be used at any moment. And like we've mentioned, right, credit is not a bad thing as long as it's being used for the right reasons. You can have credit making more money and use it for leveraging purposes to collect even more revenue in the long run. They do have a common stock repurchase plan going on right now. The board of directors did authorize the repurchase of up to $10 billion of outstanding common stock beginning in the fiscal year of 2019. 
may these company may purchase shares on either open market, block trades, privately negotiated transactions, or even derivative transactions. But let it be known that there's no obligations for them to acquire any common stock. So even though they have the authorized to buy back up to $10 billion, they don't have to buy any stock at all. But I'm sure at the price that this company is right now, this company is picking up month is picking up its shares at the moment. They, let's take a quick look at what they say about the outlook, and then we'll take a look at the actual outlook themselves. They are confident that long-term demand outlook for memory and storage is compelling, and is driven by secular trends such as AI, autonomous vehicle, 5G, and IoT. So obviously, these are the futures that we see right now. And this company is confident that they are providing the best devices for um, for all these types of trends. So they do expect uh, a strong long-term demand. Over the last few months, customers' inventory improvement have progressed largely in line with expectations in most end markets. So what most likely happened here is customers ended up buying too much that they can handle, and once they bought too much, they slowed down what they had. Um, they slowed down purchasing. Uh, once they slow down purchasing, now things are coming back and the customer is inventory is back to normal. So they should expect to see more purchases coming soon. The reinforces confidence that bid demand for DRAM will return to healthy year-to-year growth in the second half of calendar 2019. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we already are on the second half. This is Q3 and we didn't see a healthy year-to-year growth. But remember, we did mention that Huawei was a main reason for that. So maybe if we maybe next quarter, now that Huawei is back, we are going to see a healthy increase in DRAM. Nanbit demand is also increasing in most markets as electricity kicks in in response to price decline over the last year. Now let's take a look at industry outlook. So the main things that I want to take a look from here is just like I mentioned before in DRAM, they are anticipate a healthy year-to-year bid demand growth in the second half of this year. Oh wait, but this is calendar year, second half of calendar year of 2019. And for the calendar year, calendar year of 2019, they also increase the um they also see a bid demand growth in the mid-30s for NAN. So we can see that Q4 for this year, um, what second half would Q4 be second half? Uh, Q4 will probably be second half, but definitely Q1 and Q2 of of the next physical or next Q1, Q2 are definitely going to provide good outlooks with this increase. And we should definitely see it in Q4. So that's definitely good news for the company. So here we can see their Q4 guidance. Q4 guidance, they're saying about $4.5 billion of revenue and the diluted EPS of $0.41. Cents. Um, this is definitely pretty low in my part. I tend to look, even though they do give us with guidance, I tend to look at the estimate guidance from analysts. These analysts, there's a huge number of analysts. From 20, um, This one, for example, has 28, and they're always within range. So this gives me a better understanding of how the company is and how the company is priced at the moment. So for this quarter, of for this year of 2019, which is going to end in August, Earnings per share estimates is going to be at six dollars and twenty cents. So if we if we count the forty one cents that this company says they will make in quarter four, it would give earnings per share of about five dollars and sixty cents. Because right now they're sitting about five dollars and fourteen cents. So we can see right with their estimates that with the guidance that the company gives us, they give you a guidance 
so low that they can't miss. But here we can see the estimates are a lot higher, sitting at 6.2. And their forward PE ratio, price to earnings ratio, is sitting at a 6.14%. For a tech company, that is pretty low. That is extremely low for a tech company. But we can see why it's that low. For August of 2020, this company is expected to make a 3.07 earnings per share, almost half of what the company would make this year. And that would mean that the company is sitting at a 12.39 PE ratio. In my mind, for me, for me, comfortable as an investor, I still believe that's a pretty low PE ratio for a tech company. Unless they expect more losses for a quarter for 2021, that seems pretty low to me. So for me at the moment, um, just looking at price tomorrow, we'll take a look at the company's actual um, numbers. So make sure to check out tomorrow's episode. But on today's episode at the moment, I would give this company a buy based on that earnings per share ratio. And I gladly would be okay paying about a 15 forward PE ratio for that $3.07. So about 15 per PE ratio for that $3.07 would give that I would be okay paying about $45 for MU at the moment. Um, so right now we're sitting way below um, $45 on MU. So at, if everything goes okay with tomorrow's episode, I might be looking into purchasing MU and investing in MU. So thank you guys for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you guys got all the information that you needed. If you guys want to post anything on the comments, let me know how you do. How do you feel about MU? And don't forget to check out tomorrow's episode to take a look at the numbers and see where this company is headed. Um, so make sure to subscribe. Give me a thumbs up. Have a good night, guys, and see you tomorrow.